Welcome to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief, a monthly recap of the macroeconomic and market environment. Well, greetings and welcome to the Investment Strategy Brief podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. And hey, it's December 2023, so our last episode of 2023. Uh, thanks so much for uh, listening this year. And, you know, uh, when we were sort of preparing for this meeting, uh, we had a number of things we wanted to cover, but we sort of had to pivot uh, because just in the last few days, we've had a Fed meeting where the Fed has kind of offered a little bit of a shift. And we're going to get into that. Uh, so we, we're going to still cover many of the topics we intended to cover. But think of it whilst having that the benefit of trying to understand what was going on with the Fed and maybe the implications of this shift, which again, we'll get into. So thanks for listening. Let's jump in. I think as it relates to the Fed meeting itself, uh, you know, basically um, the Fed came out and as it always does, it it issues a statement uh, and formally the policy was unchanged. So the uh, Fed funds rate sits at five and a quarter to five and a half percent. There's a a, a quantitative uh, uh, tightening process where they're uh, shrinking their balance sheets uh, their balance sheet, essentially by not uh, repurchasing holdings. Um, and, um, and you know, what was subtle about the statement anyway, is um, that they made an indication, that, not surprisingly, that the economy is slowing from third quarter results, uh, number one. Number two, that inflation has eased. And then number three was basically a softening in the wording uh, when it comes to uh, policy firming, like are they going to get even more hawkish hike, hike rates, even more? There's just a soft uh, change in, in wording. And a lot of that was reinforced at the press conference. Uh, and it really, one of the things that uh, uh, Pal got into was, um, you know, when to begin dialing back on policy restraint basically a focus and the meaning, hey, when are we going to cut rates? They're kind of shifting their focus to now maybe begin that discussion of when it makes sense to cut rates. They did, of course, reinforce that no one's declaring victory. They'll remain data dependent. Uh, but again, I think the, the takeaway here is that it's a little bit more of a balanced message. The other thing that happened is, uh, as they did in September, they issued in December their summary of economic projections. And because it's year end, it's sort of like I think uh, all the participants were needing to lock down and really take a look at these forecasts. And there were some meaningful changes. So most notably, I would say when we look out at um, 20, end of 2024, originally they had a, a, a rate for the Fed funds uh, rate at 5.1% at the end of 24. That was reduced by half a percent down to 4.6. That 5.1 had reflected one rate cut. So basically the Fed's saying they think they're going to do three quarter point cuts in 2024. And that, that was kind of one element of the big news. Um, the other thing I'd say is that they've kind of reinforced um, a view of a positive economy in, in, in the calendar year next year. So below trend growth, but think roughly one and a half. I think that the December SEP uh, had a, a number there, 1.4. Now, the market responded um, in, a number way, in a number of ways. The equity markets moved higher. The 10-year uh, rate declined now and declined below 4%. And then the market uh, sort of imputed more rate hikes. And in fact, uh, prior to the meeting, the market was forecasting four rate hikes. Uh, that jumped to six uh, as a result of the uh, learnings, if you will, in this meeting. And that actually brings us to one thing I did want to cover 
uh, in this episode, and that's signposts. Recall at the beginning of the year with our outlook for 2023, we basically uh, identified a bunch of signposts and uh, and we were looking for ways to find balance um, uh, and feel like we were finding balance given the d- unstable situation in 2022. So we had things like the China reopening, which of course occurred. We had a trough in consumer confidence, which occurred, I think. We had the slowing of, um, or the cooling or loosening of the job market um, and the labor market moving closer to equilibrium. And we made our way partway there. Uh, And that meant wage growth slowed some, but not all the way to the Fed's preferred level. And then we've seen maybe less negative uh, messaging from company earnings. So they got a little bit better, uh, but still, I think a a bit of ways to go for sure. Uh, But the big one anyway, that is reinforced by this Fed meeting is the idea that we were looking for uh, alignment between the Fed's view on uh, future policy and the market's view. And uh, while there's still a little bit of a difference, right, the Fed's seeing three cuts next year and the market's seeing six, actually, believe it or not, that's a little bit uh, closer in alignment than where we were before the Fed meeting. So uh, bottom line is now everyone, the Fed and and market participants are seeing the Fed uh, turn and make a sort of a dovish pivot, uh, move in a dovish direction, still a hawkish policy, but move in a a dovish uh, direction. And again, things uh, responded positively. Now, before we get into things like the economy, I did want to touch briefly on the war um, uh, uh, with Israel and Hamas. And remember, we do have a a geopolitical risk dashboard. Middle East tensions are on that. We've been monitoring for things like this for quite a long time. Uh, As it relates to the the war, uh, remember that one of the risks we've been watching for is escalation. Uh, So right now it does remain local, uh, meaning it's happening in Gaza. And... um, and other parties don't seem to be actively involved in it. That means the market, the, both the global economy and the global markets have really pretty much uh, gone on and, and, and are being influenced by other things. Uh, but that, I, that risk of es- escalation, sort of phase one of that would be Iran getting involved. If that happens, again, we would see um, a disruption in, in oil, the flow of oil potentially that could lead to a recession and uh, have a, a longer lasting impact. And then, of course, if and we view that as a very low probability, the even more remote probability is that uh, bigger countries, greater powers get involved, U.S. and China being the one that's always in focus. And and that, of course, would be a big a big deal if that were to happen. But we see it as a very, very low probability. Now, turning to the economy, I'll just reinforce something we talked about last time, which is the idea of fiscal transition anchored primarily in the buildup of debt. So over $5 trillion for individuals, over $8 trillion for businesses, over $23 trillion for the U.S. government since the financial crisis. So a total of $37 trillion. And, you know, basically that's a lot of debt. And so if you think about it, that it, this is something that likely needs to be dealt with, but especially because interest rates have gone up. So even they, though they've rolled over, we don't expect them to get back down to that sort of pandemic level of in the, where the 10-year was averaging 1.2% or the decade after the financial crisis where the tenure was averaging uh, 2%. You know, basically um, what we're seeing is, is rates fall, that have fallen down and uh, the current uh, tenures, uh, last I looked, was about 3.9%. Uh, but the forward rates, 10 years from now, the forward rate is expecting the tenure to be up a little bit at about 45 or so. 
and, uh, and then declining back down. And so yeah, the bottom line is the market still anticipates a higher for longer uh, rate environment. And back to the debt, that means that, uh, you know, the individuals, businesses, and the government all have to deal with an increased cost in debt, uh, even as debt has been climbing. So consumers, of course, they have to do a better job learning how to manage that debt um, on the margins. Some people may have uh, trouble with that, may struggle, may, we may see some bankruptcies, et cetera. Actually, the same thing on the business front, as we've discussed before, maybe a little uh, jump in uh, some bankruptcies for companies right out on the edge. But just know that the higher cost of debt is slowing things down. It's the intent of the Fed, but it could be the kind of thing where a, a, a firm is not launching a new business that they might have otherwise um, capitalized with debt uh, because rates have gone up. And, uh, and then, of course, out on the, those edges, again, we may see some bankruptcies. And, uh, and so with the consumer and businesses, I see that as the, as the process of the economy kind of working, meaning we're making our way through some pain. As a result of making our way through it, we're a little bit stronger and uh, able to handle things. And, uh, and we come out the other side almost better. Um, as it relates to the government, as we've talked about before, we've had deficit spending really since the financial crisis, a buildup of debt as a result and uh, very little appetite on either side of the aisle to talk about either raising taxes or uh, reducing spending. We do think it's something that's going to need to come back or to come into focus, and that will likely be driven by, among others, uh, voters, recognizing the challenges of um, sort of less good fiscal management and the need for improvement and calling upon their elected officials uh, to do so. So a little bit of an optimistic view on that, but uh, that's what, where we see uh, kind of the, the, the hope of uh, things getting sort of tightened up uh, in the government. Now, as it relates to the environment, we know the Fed's very focused on labor. We saw a peak in job openings as defined by what's called JOLTS, and, so that, and that re reflected a very tight job market. It's eased off of that uh, a little bit. And, uh, and so the bottom line is, as we look at different pieces of data, job openings, uh, non-farm payrolls, jobless claims. We've th seen things improve a little bit and get a little bit less um, sort of firm or tight in the job market, but nowhere near as much progress as we know the Fed would like to see. Um, in any event, one of the worries is that wage growth basically staying elevated. If the Fed wants to see three to three and a half percent um, uh, to sort of align with a steady state 2% inflation rate, you know, the wage growth number is still well above that. Think of it in the 4% range. Um, that has sort of energized the consumer. So while we saw a little bit of a drop in, uh, in retail sales, the most recent print came out just uh, very close to the long-term average. So a little bit of a recovery when it comes to consumer spending. And so that idea of the consumer feeling pretty good about jobs, feeling good about wages, uh, means that they've continued uh, to engage. And that'll be a key focus for us in our outlook report, which we'll publish next, next month. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Now, the economy with this uh, really uh, strong third quarter, I mean, really fir first three quarters of the year, but the yeah, third quarter was, uh, I think, second estimate came in a little higher at 5.2% annualized. Anyway, long story short, the GDP sort of growth line has made its way pretty much back to the long-term trend line that was pre-pandemic. And so uh, that's that's good news in terms of uh, the, the economy recovering. Remember, it rep is represented by two-thirds two of the economy represented by the consumer. So the fact that the consumer remains active is very positive for the economy. And that means that for uh, 2023, 
you know, the consensus is we're going to end up at about 2.4% for the year annualized. And then things are going to cool, but stay uh, above recession levels. Uh, but think uh, consensus is basically a 2024 growth rate of uh, of 1.2. And so, you know, that's something that we're, we're evaluating and we'll, we'll have our view in the outlook. Um, uh, the Fed, for example, has a, a 2024 number of 1.4%. So again, think below trend growth, but probably positive. Now, by the way, we will get into other scenarios, bear case scenario, bull case scenario uh, in that outlook. So, you know, there, there is a risk of recession. We have to uh, analyze that and be mindful of that. Now, we talked to, at the beginning about the Fed, and the Fed's policy is driven by its dual mandate, right? On one hand, they, they are focused on um, in, or excuse me, let's start with, with uh, labor and jobs that um, uh, that things are in a good place. Uh, and then secondly, uh, inflation. And, uh, and the bottom line is what we've seen is, uh, is uh, them to become more balanced in that focus. Um, but uh, the data is coming in where we're seeing ever uh, better data on the inflation front. So for example, the break-even rates we talk about each month, basically they're indicating that investors believe inflation is going to get down close to the Fed's 2% target. The consumer remains a little bit worried. And, and this month we did, once again, decompose uh, inflation into the four components. Think goods, services, each of those, X, food, and energy, and then the other two components of energy and food. And kind of the punchline is, hey, uh, goods, energy, and food have all cooled down a little bit. Um, and again, we had some heavy inflation uh, for sure. Um, uh, take, for example, food we know is up, has been up a lot. Um, the one sticky component anyway is services. And so, um, you know, just know that there are certain things, shelter, for, for example, I think auto insurance is another example, where things have just remained pretty firm. And so we continue to watch for a little bit more cooling in the services area. But even with that, uh, when we look at the consumer price index and the producer price index, actually PPI, producer price index, averaged 0% headline growth over the last three months. So that really has cooled a lot. The consumer price index has come back, come back down to roughly 0.17, which is the monthly equivalent of the Fed's 2% target. So that's the most recent three-month average on the consumer price index. Uh, so inflation cooling. And then again, when we look at that in terms of the implications for Fed policy, before the Fed meeting, the market was pricing in four rate cuts after the Fed meeting, uh, basically add two more to that. And so, again, um, the inflation is cooling. That means the Fed can get a little bit more balanced in what they're up to, and they'll keep an eye on things, and we'll all be watching for that first uh, rate cut in 2024. All of this is sort of translated to a very interesting and energetic uh, market environment in 2023. Um, so starting with really the uh, one of the big stories was the big tech-oriented companies recovering off a decline, let's say for the New York Stock Exchange FANG Plus Index, a decline of 40% last year. It's up over 90%. It's actually 926 uh, as of uh, uh, year-to-date December and on the close of December 14th. And um, so that's a huge move, a huge recovery. Um, and uh, when we look at then the contribution of those bigger companies into the S&P 500 cap weight index, that index is up almost 25% a year to date in 2023. 
We've published a little bit about the idea that other indices re reflecting other objectives. So think of equal weighted S&P, which um, is sort of the way many active managers invest to kind of uh, invest equally across different companies, uh, or at least uh, less concentrated than the big cap cap weighted indices. Uh, basically, the equal weighted S&P is up 13%, a little over 13% year to date. Still a pretty good number, but nowhere near that almost 25 for the cap weighted. And then uh, indices, for example, that focus on dividends, dividend growth, their, their um, returns are positive, but even more muted. And so, again, something that we're watching pretty, pretty carefully. Uh, as it relates to valuation, basically, uh, we're just 2% uh, when uh, last I looked from the S&P 500's uh, record high. So 2% is needed to reach that previous high. And that means the market's trading at a little bit of a premium. So we're 10% above on a PE basis, the 10-year the average for PE. And we're at a 6% discount when we adjust for the equal weighted methodology. So I think of it as the big companies are a little bit richly valued. And the um, the companies beyond that, there's a lot of there a lot of places or individual names where there's an attractive value. Um, so again, things that we're going to watch uh, carefully. I'll give you some examples. Current PE on the top ten holdings in the S and P is 28 times. The rest of the stocks are at 18 times, uh, and those two combined to an S and P level of just over 19 times earnings on a on a PE basis. And another quick. Uh, uh, parameter the uh, top 10 holdings in the S&P as of a couple days ago represent 32%. So almost a third of the index is in 10 stocks. And that's an index of 500 companies. So that's kind of uh, notable how significant those stocks are. Another thing we'll check in on, we've done analyses, which we've talked about before on the momentum of the market this year. We went back to the 50s, found all the year's where the S&P had a 10% or greater return in the first half and then checked out how the second half did. And in all but two of those years, um, or no, I'm sorry, three of those years, um, the, there was recovery or continued, I should say it differently, continued positive return. And right now, if we've sort of ended the year right now, that would be true for 2023. So we've got a couple of weeks to go, but we'll see if that holds true. Now getting to interest rates, um, you know, I mentioned that with the Fed meeting, rates came down a little bit. They tenure had gotten to 5% a while back. It's down below four again. And in fact, when we look at the yield curve, putting aside the front end of the curve, which I'll come back to, basically the yield curve is sitting kind of right on top of where it was at the beginning of this year. So the year ended 2022. And so that's interesting. It had gone up, it's come back down. At the short end, really in response to this Fed subtle Fed shift, uh, rates have come down a little bit. So shorter term, like three month rates have come down from, you know, roughly five and a half down to about 4.7. So a little bit of a big move, uh, but still pretty attractive yields um, on the short end of the curve for sure. Uh, in fact, I'd say while off peak, um, the yield across a variety of categories, think of things like municipals, high yield bonds, uh, investment grade corporate bonds, uh, mortgage and asset backed securities and treasuries, yeah, kind of everything is still looking pretty attractive. Now, as we turn and look forward, I'll just reiterate, we're going to uh, publish our 2024 outlook the first week of January. We're kind of watching all the data up until then. We're going to watch um, the market, of course, through that uh, period of time. 
And then we've got things kicking off in terms of um, sort of the early primaries uh, for the presidential election, for example. That's another thing that's in focus. In fact, as we talked about last time, there's a lot of up for grabs, you know, the presidency, of course, the entire House, and then with the Senate, 23 Republican seats, uh, 10 Democratic seats, and three independents that are being uh, recontested in this election. So a, a sort of a, a lot up for grabs. We will report on that um, in terms of a framing. Um, we've talked about it, the, the idea that we see the election in four fa- phases, an early primary, late primary, the general election itself, and then the post-election period. Uh, but then in the Outlook report, we're going to have a bit of commentary on the election, including uh, a, a summary of sort of how markets react uh, during a presidential election. Recall, as I've said before, we're long-term investors. We remain focused on our themes. Uh, AI is a big deal right now. That's part of what we call the fourth industrial revolution theme to a good degree, but it actually spans many of our other themes. Um, and uh, being things like uh, st- securing strategic resources, Imagine using AI to protect resources better, shifting demographics, or the new consumer, maybe AI informing uh, different forms of consumption, and then productive competition while countries and businesses will be competing with AI. So anyway, those are some of the themes we're focused on as we do what we do in terms of investing. And I'll I'll close by just reminding you that CFLinsights.com is a great resource if you want to check it out uh, for this uh, podcast series and a, a broader body of work, a video and slide deck for this series as well. And uh, we just, you know, uh, sort of end where we started, which is to thank you for listening today and through the year. And we'll look forward to um, coming back to you in January of 2024. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each month's podcast in your feed.